This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Ideas to Life podcast. Practical advice and inspiration to help you create and sell your own physical products. Here's your host, Vicky Weinberg. My guest on the podcast today is Simon Finneman. Together with his wife, Dr. Evie Kemp, Simon runs Haskappa, selling nutritious products made from the little-known but amazing little Haskap berry. In a previous life, Simon ran a large timbering importing company, pioneering the use of sustainable timbers for industry and construction. A lifelong vegetarian, Simon is passionate about the environment and believes in the power of healthy eating in order to improve oneself and the world around us. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of a Haskap berry. I certainly hadn't before I um, met Simon. And I was really fascinated to learn about them and about their amazing properties and about the product that Simon and Evie together have created. This is an extremely interesting episode, as all of our episodes are. And I really think you're going to enjoy hearing about the Haskat Berry and some of the benefits of that, as well as the product creation process. So I would love now to introduce you to Simon. So hi, Simon. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Vicky. Nice to be here. So can we start with you, please give an introduction to yourself, your business and what you sell? Okay, well, um, I'm Simon. I am 62. I've been in business pretty much all my working career, but most of my uh, life I was in the timber industry. Um, And uh, the timber industry led me into my current business, which is completely different. I sell Haskap Berry powder and um it's freeze-dried berry powder and as i'm sure we will talk about in the next few minutes or whatever the hascat berry is an extraordinary berry and uh, my life nowadays is devoted to selling and marketing this product amazing so as you let's start by talking about the hascat berry um tell us you know why did you get interested in in the berries and why are they so good for us because i know they are considered a superfood is that right yeah they're a superfood super berry uh, and why did i get interested in them well um it's a, it it's probably a um a, a, an unusual route in, in the sense that I mentioned I was in the timber industry, I was very into sustainable forestry. I still am. And uh, to that end, I uh, managed to buy myself a small farm in Canada. Um, I say a small farm, it was about 300 acres. And when I say a farm, that's what Canadians call a woodlot. 
and this was 280 280 acres of woodland and 20 acres of beautiful green fields and my friends and I looked at those green fields and we thought what a waste nobody is farming these 20 acres of beautiful green fields and we uh, literally went on to Google to look for an interesting crop and we found hascat berries and we bought 100 bushes and planted them I think it was about 2010 and we were so impressed with what we got the following year that we started to ramp up and that eventually grew into Haskapa, the business that I run nowadays. In a, in a moment, let's talk, we'll talk a little bit about that, Simon, about the evolution of Haskapa and, and, you know, and where that took you. Um, but let's talk a bit about the Haskap berry. Why are they so good for us? Well, they are, um, they're an Arctic berry. They grow naturally in very cold northern climates. And in order to survive in those kind of environments, the plant itself is extremely hardy because it, it's growing in um, winters of minus, who knows what, 20, 30. Um, and uh, therefore, because it's such a hardy plant, it produces an extremely nutritious berry. This is my totally unscientific explanation. If you, if you want the real science, you have to go to my wife, Evie, who's much clever and understands all the science. But I think in lay terms, um, this very hardy bush produces an incredibly nutritious berry. And what's amazing about the berry is it's a very deep red color. Um, and that's, uh, that color is associated with something called anthocyanins. And anthocyanins are the deep red colors that you find in fruit and vegetables. They're one extreme of the kind of eat the rainbow idea. Um, and uh, the berry itself is packed full of um, antioxidants and anthocyanins. It's got um, three, three times the antioxidants of a blueberry and four times the anthocyanins. So it's, it's much more nutritious than a blueberry. And that's mainly because it's got a thick skin and it's got this deep red flesh all the way through. If you were to cut a blueberry in half, you'd see white flesh. And you're only really getting the antioxidants and the anthocyanins from the skin. Uh, but a hascat berry, if you cut it down the middle, it's deep coloured all the way through. Uh, add to that, it, it's delicious. It tastes great. I mean, it's, it's the most berry thing that you'll ever eat. Um, and so uh, there are occasionally people who don't like the flavour of berries, but most people, they just love it. They're knocked over by it. Thank you for the explanation, because I'm not sure um, how many people would have heard of the Haskat berry. And so when you started growing them, did you have any idea about what the berry was and about all of its properties? Or were you just looking for something, you know, any sort of crop that might take? No, I think when we started growing it, we, we, we knew, like most people know, that berries are good for you. Uh, but the truth is, we didn't know any, I didn't know anything about the science. Um, and uh, we just, uh, we, we kind of had a vague idea about this super berry status. And we knew a little bit about the enhanced um, 
antioxidant anthocyanin profile. But actually, when we first started, EV wasn't involved. We started to make things like jam and juice, and we, we played on the uh, great taste of the berry, assuming that we were producing nutritious jam and nutritious juice. And really, it was only because uh, Evie literally overheard repeated conversations I was having with my colleagues. And she pointed out, look, if you're making jam and juice, you're adding tons of sugar and you're processing the berries, boiling them, often for kind of, you know, in the case of jam for hours, she said there won't be much nutrient left in them. You can't claim that it's a really nutritious product. So um, uh, that kind of got Evie a bit engaged, which was a real blessing because her curiosity was kind of roused as to how could we make this into something that genuinely was nutritious. And we started searching around for products that captured the nutritional value of berries. And we found, uh, we, bear in mind, we were in uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. We oh, the farm still is in Nova Scotia, Canada. Um, and we found in Newfoundland, uh, uh, both of these provinces are on the cold extreme east side, the Canadian coast. We found in Newfoundland a little factory that was making uh, powdered fruits. So we commissioned them to make some Haskat berry powder. And they actually did, they did a pretty good job for us. Um, they didn't use freeze drying. They used a different technique, which I won't go into. But it really got Evie and I thinking that, you know, if we want to be a health brand, and we're talking about 10 years ago here, if we want to be a health brand, we can't be doing juice and we can't be doing jam. And uh, we did wine and gin. We did all sorts of products. We had a little farm shop and we, and we were selling good good amounts of product, but we thought we couldn't be doing those things. We have to do something that's genuinely healthy. And uh, we, had a, uh, we had a great August one year where we started pushing the powder and we were selling a lot of it. And this health line obviously uh, uh, chimed with certain customers. And uh, then really the scene was set and Evie and I, Evie became much more involved in the business. And it, it became totally focused. We dropped all the other products and we became totally focused on this health message because um, oh, we're not allowed to make health claims, of course. Um, but but uh, most people, like, uh, like I did at the beginning, they understand that superberries are associated with a healthy diet. Thank you. And so at that point when you decided, okay, we're going to start to have a health brand and we're going to do something with this, um, what happened then? So did you have to do sort of go for a product development stage um, to end up with the freeze-dried powder that you have now? Well, um, a little bit, yes. But actually the, the, uh, the bigger issue for us was... Um, our own people understanding what we were trying to do and uh, we were in uh, we were based in the UK the business was based in Canada and it was really really difficult to uh, bring our staff who were working full-time in Canada into the 
a kind of ideology that Evie and I were taking on board about uh, the health message. I haven't mentioned this, but you know, I know Vicky, but Evie's a doctor. So, um, uh, so eventually, uh, four or five years ago, we took quite a painful decision that you asked about product development. The, the product was kind of developed. We, 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 we knew that freeze-dried powder was the way forward. Uh, but we decided um, four or five years ago that unless we started running the business ourselves at very close quarters day to day, it was never going to succeed with the uh, message that we wanted to convey, that we wanted to, uh, the brand that we wanted to promote. So at that point, we decided to move the whole business to the UK. And uh, that was an, an expensive and, um, and it was a um, traumatic exercise, but it was really worth doing because it meant that we could work very, very, uh, uh, in a very focused way on building the brand around the product that we developed in the way we wanted the brand. Uh, and, and, and that's pretty much essentially the brand you can see today. And had you already launched the product and the brands when you moved the operation to the UK? Yeah, yes, uh, not, not, not quite in the same format as it is now, but very similar. We decided when we got to the UK, when we got it back to the UK, we decided to um, redesign the packaging um, and uh, we relaunched the website, uh, which were um, big exercises. I mean, we're a very small business. You know, we've only ever been four or five people. We still are. Um, uh, but we, we, we got good people with us, you know, um, uh, and they took it on board and, and we were able to do that. And ever since then, the business has been growing very nicely. So did you originally launch in Canada um, or did you launch in the UK at the same time? No, we, we, uh, we originally launched in Canada, but in Canada, the powder was only really one of a number of products. And um, we just came to the realization that so long as it was uh, sat on a shelf next to Haskapa gin or Haskapa wine or Haskapa uh, jam, uh, we also did um, a chutney that was it tasted great but these weren't these weren't healthy products They're, they were lovely products they were delicatessen products they were premium products but it, it we we wanted to focus on something that we thought would be part of a healthy diet and uh, the canadian business in the canadian business uh, that was really only one small part of a bigger picture and we wanted it to be the main part. Yeah, that makes sense. And I can also see, I can, I, I can definitely see how it would have been a really painful process sort of moving the business to the UK. But I guess based on all that history you've shared with us, I think that it, it does make sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, look, looking back on it, um, I, I don't regret what we've uh, what we've done. I think we did the right thing. It was tough at the time, uh, but I think it's really paid off since. 
So did that mean that production moved to the UK as well? I mean, I know the berries are still grown in Nova Scotia, but does production move over here? Well, one of the problems that we had in Canada, one of the uh, uh, perpetual problems we had in Canada, was that we're a very small, almost cottage-sized business. And it was very difficult to persuade Canadian, uh, and let me say North American, because the USA is involved in this as well, uh, factories to produce relatively tiny quantities that we needed. I mean, when we talk about tiny quantities, you know, we'll we'll regularly process 10 or 15 tonnes of uh, berries, uh, but to an American factory, and that includes Canada, uh, that's a very small volume. And what we discovered was that there was a, also a very vibrant and interesting Haskat berry and general berry industry in Poland. And Poland had a completely different attitude to small volumes. And we found factories in Poland where they were only too happy to take orders for 10 or 15 tons. And so we... Uh, it was quite easy to switch production to Poland. And Poland had the added advantage uh, that there was a, 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 a ready supply of uh, organic berries in Poland, which we couldn't get in Canada. So we grow our own berries in Canada and uh, they're not uh, certified organic. Although I can assure everybody and anybody that we're an all-natural farm we don't use chemicals on our farm um but it, but 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 in poland we're able to buy organic berries so that gives us uh, a nice second uh, uh, kind of uh, arm to the business so we can offer an organic and a and a non-organic product Oh, that's brilliant. And you mentioned as well that Poland's the Haskat berry was more well known over there. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about how you launched a product into different countries, because I assume that it's been different. You, you've probably had a different experience in different countries based on whether they actually knew what Haskat berry was, um, whether they're familiar with it. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, please? Sure. Well, we, we, uh, we sell in really mainly in three countries, uh, the United Kingdom, Canada, and the United States. And um, it actually, it's only in Canada where there's a significant awareness of Haskap. And even there, it's, it's not great. I think if you walked up to 20 people in Toronto and asked them what a Haskap berry is, I, I'd be surprised if more than one or two of them knew. Uh, but that's, that's a much, much bigger response than you'd get in London or, or any American city. It's a very niche product. It's a, it's a very special product, but there aren't that many Haskat berries grown in the world. The country where they're best known is Japan uh, because they were traditionally grown by the Ainu people of the island, the northern island of Japan, which is Hokkaido. And so in Japan, they are quite well known, but they're really not well known. So it, that presents a really difficult challenge. Uh, how do you educate the consumer um, uh, that you have a really new berry um, and it's not a berry that's set, that keeps well as a fresh berry, so it has to be sold in a 
in a, in a, in a freeze-dried format. Uh, so you're, you're also asking people to understand what to do with berry powder as opposed to berries. Everybody understands you buy fresh berries, you put them in a fruit salad, you eat them. Um, they don't necessarily understand what you do with powder. So the education part of, of our uh, challenge is massive. Um, it's made easier in Canada when people have heard of Haskap. Um, but it isn't easy wherever we are. It's always been uh, tough. And actually, the, um, the, the format that we find is easiest um, in terms of selling the product is probably face-to-face -face in exhibitions where uh, people uh, get... The first thing we do is we say to people, do you eat berries? Say, so, yeah, we eat blueberries. Say, have you tried a Haskat berry? They go, oh, what's a Haskat berry? And we, we show them what a Haskat berry is and we get them to taste the powder. And once they've tasted the powder, well, people are generally knocked over by the flavor. And then it's relatively easy to uh, sell them a pouch and, and we have a customer. Yeah, that does, that does make sense because I think, especially when it's something that's very unfamiliar, it's good for people to be able to see it and try it. So at these exhibitions, are you are these um, exhibitions where you're meeting consumers or, or more like trade events? Or are you doing a bit of both? Uh, well, we do mostly consumer events. So we've done shows like um, uh, Just, uh, Just V and we've done uh, uh, food festivals uh, in November, we're doing the BBC Good Food Show at the NEC. Um, and uh, we're also branching out next year in 2023 into uh, sports exhibitions because um, there's a whole long story to tell you about how Haskap is clinically proven to uh, help uh, sports people with their exercise endurance. You want me to tell you about that? <laughs> yeah, go for it. I'm, okay. in, I'm interested. <laughs> okay. So uh, Evie being a doctor uh, said early on uh, in, in the evolution of our business that we had to have clinical evidence that Haskap was a healthy food. And uh, to that end, we at uh, clinic clinical trials of any product are extremely expensive but we put the money together to do two clinical trials the first one which i won't talk much about was um was connected with cognition uh, in the over 55s and it was found uh, that it that eating hascap every day helped uh, people over 55 that includes me with uh, word recall so it, 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 it sharpens the brain a little bit. And also it helps uh, to, to reduce blood pressure a little. Um, and actually, if I talk about the second study, that partly explains um, the, uh, the first study as well in terms of how the berry works on the blood system. Uh, really, I'm not the person to tell you all this, Evie is, but I'm gonna try in my amateur way. Uh, so the second uh, trial we did was with Northumbria University and they set up student athletes running 5K and they fed some of them um, um, 
Pascapa, uh, about tea, two teaspoons every day, and they fed some of them a placebo. And what they found was that those that had taken Haskapa were able to knock something like 21 seconds off their 5K runtime, uh, which is for a runner, that's a big improvement. And it's all to do with, um, boy, I'm, I'm really not gonna get into explaining the science because I'm just not a scientist, but it's all to do with, with, the, with the way that the, um, the, the anthocyanins in the berry open up the blood vessels and get the blood flowing better around the body and therefore get oxygen around the body and oxygen. That's why I said it's connected to the first study as well, because um, it, it, the, the cognition study was all about oxygen getting to the brain. Uh, the the uh, the exercise study was all about oxygen getting to the um, uh, to the muscles. Uh, so both clinical trials really successful and have kind of given us a, 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 a big leg up in terms of the identifying the markets we want to target. Uh, so runners are a really obvious target because. If you can stand in front of a runner and say, hey, you, you take this powder and uh, you've taken it, Vicky, you'll hopefully testify that it's very tasty. Uh, you take this powder every day, two teaspoons a day, take it with your yogurt, take it with your breakfast cereal, put it in smoothies, have it on your fruit salad, whatever, and you'll run faster. <laughs> well, that sells. It, it's, a good, it's a good message. And um, it, it, I'm a runner. I've been a runner all my life. I know it works because I've, I've felt its impact on my own body, but we've never measured that, and nor will we. Um, but we have measured it at Northumbria University, and there's a film kick knocking around, um, a YouTube video that's on our website that goes into much, much more um, um, uh, uh, detail than I possibly could about how it all happened. Oh, well, if you send me that link, we'll include that in the show notes for the episode. So anyone who okay. wants to can go and sure, have a look. Yeah, yeah. But I think that was a very good explanation. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm a runner as well. So I was yeah very interested in that. And so having the clinical trials done, I guess, does that, I know you still can't make health claims, but does having the clinical trials mean you can say this will help you run faster, for example, or this will help with cognitive recall in the over 55s? Can you make those claims now that you've had the trials done? I think in a roundabout way, I'm not an expert and we're incredibly careful about the, about not making health claims. Um, and in any case, as you well know, if you start making health claims, you're straight away, you're, you're, you're knocked back by Amazon and Google and yeah. Facebook. They won't let you. But you can refer people to the science. And there's, there's, there's nice ways of doing that. Um, I mean, for example, I think we've got an email going out fairly soon where we have a a call to action, a, a button on the on the email that says press here if you want to run faster. Um, and there's obviously a bit of narrative around it. Um, and we've got, I think, uh, good um, uh, blogs and articles and uh, definitely videos explaining the, re the actual fact 
facts of what we did, but you you know you can't make health claims, um, and there's no point in getting upset about that because it's very clear what you can and can't do, and you can't make health claims. Thank you, and I think that's really good for everyone to know that as well because I think people can get tripped up, particularly on Amazon, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, because Amazon obviously take any kind of claim extremely seriously, um, and you don't even have to make a health claim for them to say you've made a health claim. So yeah. I do get it's the hard, and I think that does present a challenge with a product like yours that is so good for you, um, in that you can't always say how good it is for you. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a huge source of frustration, um, but I get it. I mean, I understand, uh, I understand where the regulators are coming from. I think what's really frustrating is that um, brands that uh, brands that feature foods that really are not good for people are able to make such a huge splash advertising um, and um, <laughs> and yet there we are this tiny little brand which it, it, it's very hard to argue that eating a berry powder any kind of berry powder and certainly hascap berry powder isn't isn't good for you it's 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 really very highly likely to be a component of a healthy diet um, and you've got to be very careful about what you say. So it's frustrating, but those are the that, those are the rules we have to live with, you know, and we do. Yes. And let's talk a little bit now about selling on Amazon, because as we've said, um, it's, it can be a challenge selling into marketplaces where people aren't aware of Hascap, they're not aware of the berries, they don't know what they are. And then on Amazon, obviously, you have the additional challenge of all the things you can't tell people. So for example, on your own website, you can say a lot more. Yes, you can't make claims, but you can still talk a bit more freely. Um, so let's talk a bit about what your experience selling on Amazon has been like to date. Yeah, I wish I, you could probably explain it to me better than I could explain it. Uh, Amazon is the, it, 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 it's kind of a, a mystery. You, 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 um, you go on, uh, I mean, it's okay to say, isn't it, Vicky, that you set us up on Amazon um, yeah. and you did a great job. And um, from, from somewhere, we don't know where, people come and find you on Amazon and they start buying and they come back and they buy again and you don't know who they are. And uh, all you know is that every day the sales seem to roll in and uh, we, we experience... Uh, continuous growth on Amazon. Um, we'd love to know who we're selling to, but we don't really know who we're selling to. Um, but it, it works. Uh, I have to say it's expensive. Um, we, we don't make huge amounts uh, on, on the uh, powder we sell on Amazon. Um, but the volumes are, are, are really you know, they're too, they're too good to ignore. So we keep doing it. I think a lot of people have that same experience, which is that, yes, the margins aren't great, because as you say, it is expensive. Um, however, the customers are there. And I think that's one of the advantages is that you're not having to get people onto your website or, you know, find them through Facebook ads or whatever it is, they actually are there on Amazon. And as long as sort of your ad, your listing and ads, if you're running them, are sort of targeting the right people, 
hopefully that and you and you've obviously got your set up well um hopefully they'll find you and yeah they do and i i would agree with every word you said it's like <laughs> you just got to be there do you know tick all the boxes make sure you're you've got everything in order and and things move on we I, we had a recent scare with amazon because uh, I, I i don't know it, i think in common with uh, quite a lot of other niche food brands amazon took a funny stand on this um uh, hfss business which for those of you who don't know is is a traffic light uh, marker system um pointing out what foods are healthy and what foods are less healthy according to the content well hascapa is very tasty partly because it's 50 percent natural sugar but um uh, we sell 100 gram pouches 100 grams is 30 portions so a daily portion is about three grams and that's about one to one and a half grams of natural sugar well the the regulations judge us on the amount of sugar in the 100 gram pouch not on the amount of sugar in a, a daily portion so it really isn't much harm for anybody to take one or one and a half grams of sugar a day it would be quite harmful if they were taking 50 grams of sugar but nobody in their right mind would eat a whole packet of hascapa in one go it just it just wouldn't happen amazon enforced the rules very very enthusiastically and we pointed out to them why we were exempted from uh, having a red sticker uh, on about four or five different uh, regulatory um, uh, basis and uh, to my knowledge they still haven't fully excluded us from that and I understand from social media there are thousands of brands caught up in the same problem with Amazon so uh, that's a frustration uh, I'll be honest it doesn't seem to have affected sales yet but it potentially could well I hope not and um yeah, I do think there's something worth people knowing, actually, that Amazon tend to take a hard line on anything. Um, I think they always err on the side of caution and, and perhaps, in my opinion anyway, go a little bit too far when enforcing certain rules. Um, yeah, but I, I think it's good it hasn't impacted your sales. I really hope it doesn't. And I think it's also just good for everyone to know that these things do happen. They will happen. But actually, you can always get around them. It's just very frustrating, as I'm sure you agree, Simon, at the time. Yeah, it is. For, well, business is like that. Every business is like that. I mean, you know, all my life I've been in business and you never go a week without some big blow coming along and you think at first oh wow how are we going to get around that and then you work it out you, you sit back you, you think about it and you you work out yeah yeah this isn't as bad as it looked um and uh, this business with amazon is just like that you know we will persuade amazon i know we will that it doesn't apply to us and um so will the thousands of other brands who are impacted unfairly and uh, life will go on and so um, I kind of, I say this as though I'm really relaxed about it all. Although I promise you, every time it happens, <laughs> I, I lose my, Evie will tell you that 
There are countless occasions when I say, oh, God, let's give it all up, Evie. But we don't. We keep going because uh, after I've had that 10 minutes to reflect on it and Evie's calmed me down, um, we realise, no, this isn't as big as we thought. We'll find a way around it. We can carry on. And so we go on. Yeah, thank you. And I, you know, I think that's really good for people to hear because we have people listening who are very early in their business journeys, perhaps just starting out. And I think it's really assuring to hear you say, yes, things will go wrong. They might go wrong quite often, but you will get through it and you'll keep going. Um, because as you you may remember, so I mean, you've been in business a, a long time, but the first, I think the first setbacks you get are almost the hardest because you're not expecting them and they mm. do seem insurmountable. But once you've sort of dealt with setback after setback, blow after blow, you realise actually I, I'm quite resilient and I'm going to get through this. It's absolutely part of business. I mean, when I was running the timber business, which is a much, much bigger business, uh, well, the number of things that came along where you thought, oh, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> you get really upset about it. And you learn over time. No, no, no. You mustn't get so upset about it. You just got to take it in your stride. And you got to get life in context. You know, um, I, um, I, I sent somebody a, um, a, a, a um, it was a newspaper article a few weeks ago. Uh, we were discussing a problem that we had in business. And I sent him a newspaper article pointing out that there are three billion people in the world who can't afford to eat a proper diet. And that puts into context all of my problems, whatever my problems are with Haskapa and the frustrations with Amazon or whatever, it counts for nothing compared to those poor three billion people who don't get a decent diet every day. So, you know, you have to sit back and think, yeah, I'm a lucky person. I get to deal with these business issues. Wow, <laughs> it's great. Absolutely, and that's a really great mindset to have. And I also really liked what you said earlier about taking 10 minutes to be upset and do whatever you need to do to get it out of your system, then going, okay, I've been upset. Let's move on and deal with it. Yeah, and having a great partner is part of that, isn't it? You know, so... Um, my wife is, uh, she's so great at just sort of not, not dismissing it. You know, she takes it really seriously, but she's very good at saying, we'll find a way through it. Come on, let's think about it. And sure enough, we do. Yeah, I, think you, I think you two make a good team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tremendous. I, I, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but, you know, that we, we've, uh, we've, had, we've had separate careers up until our 60s. And Evie's only just turned 60, and I'm 62. Uh, but working together in, shall we say, the twilight of our career has been amazing. I, I, you really, uh, after, uh, we've been together 40 years, and we've discovered things about each other from working with each other that we really didn't appreciate previously. So I can thoroughly recommend um, uh, partnering in business with your wife or husband or whatever or partner oh, that yeah that, that's really nice to hear and have you got any um advice on how to make it work is there anything that you and Evie do you think that that means it it works so well yeah uh the best bit of advice is to uh to remember that she's cleverer than me and therefore <laughs> 
never ignore what she says. It doesn't mean uh, it doesn't mean I have to agree with everything she says. Uh, but what I'm really saying is you have to respect one another's views. You have to listen carefully to what's being said to you. Never get defensive. Remember that you're, you're both trying to do the same thing, which is push the business forward and open your ears and really listen to what's being said to you, because so often it opens your eyes to things that you hadn't thought of. That's really great advice. Thank you. Is Evie within earshot, by the way? I bet she would have liked to hear that. Oh, no, no she's in a different room. <laughs> oh, well, she'll hear, she'll hear it hopefully she'll when, hear it, it, when it comes out. Yeah, yeah. that would be nice. Um, well, thank you so much, Simon. And my final question for you is, yeah. what would your number one piece of advice be for other product businesses? Um, well, I, th- I, I think it's to stay focused. I think that uh, we... we um, we're, it's so easy when you read about business and you hear about, you only hear about mega successful businesses to think that, oh, it's easy, you know, and therefore when you start a business and you realize after the first few months that, hey, it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be, that can very demoralizing. And I, I say that not just from Haskapper, but, you know, when I ran the big biz- timber business, we were forever starting new initiatives. And the important thing is, if you believe in it, you've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. Don't worry too much about profit and loss. Only worry about cash because profit and loss never, never really directly ruined the business. But if you run out of cash, you've got a problem. So you've got to look after your cash. And just stay focused and stay with it because eventually it will come good. Thank you. I think that's great advice. And actually part of the reason for this podcast is so that people can hear other business stories and experiences and realize that everyone has their setbacks, their, you know, their, their problems along the way somewhere because I think you're right when you look on social media particularly sometimes you get quite a rosy picture but that's not the reality that might be the last couple of months but it doesn't tell you the five years that companies took to get there and and what that involved yeah absolutely I think I you know it's a real problem isn't it and um and getting and, and of course nobody wants to talk about the struggle while it's happening because that's admitting that it's it, it, it's not going so well. So you just don't hear that news. But believe me, just like you said, most businesses, they go through years of struggle before it starts to click into place. And certainly with Haskapa, it's, um, if it's clicking into place, it's only about now. It's really still um, uh, in its infancy in that respect. Thank you. So thank you so much for all that you shared um, and for being so open and for being so reassuring as well. I think I really hope that this episode will really reassure people, particularly those early on, um, and that they will learn from all your experience. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed um, sharing my experiences. Oh, good. I'm pleased. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for listening right to the end of this episode. Do remember that you can get the full back catalogue and lots of free resources on my website, vickyweinberg.com. Please do remember to rate and review this episode if you've enjoyed it and also share it with a friend who you think might find it useful. Thank you again and see you next week.
If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.